0: Love, talk radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Liu. I am your host, Louis Petrone. Another exciting week. If we didn't have Donald Trump, what we do? We, we'd be watching normal news every evening, uh, not getting upset or excited about anything. Tonight, we are going to go all over the world. We're going to be in Washington, the Panhandle, Georgia, California, Istanbul, Saudi Arabia, and Key West, and more places if I don't run out of time. Let's start tonight with what happened uh, in the lawsuit involving Stormy, Daniels, and the president. She brought a defamation action against the president, saying he said some nasty things about her. The lawsuit was dismissed yesterday in federal court in California, and the reason being, if the words were spoken by other than the president of the United States or a political person, doesn't necessarily have to be the president, a political person, uh, then it's not defamatory. It's said in jest. It's political talk, acceptable to mock people and say things sort of the wrong way if politics is involved. It's considered uh, free speech under the First Amendment. And under that defamatory exception, the president got out of this lawsuit. Uh, I don't agree with the decision, but I'm not the judge. The judge also thought that the case might have been frivolous. That means it should not have been brought. There really wasn't a good basis. Her attorney uh, should have known that there was this exception. And he also awarded Donald Trump attorney's fees and costs. And this comes all out of the pocket of Stormy Daniels. And knowing the president of the United States and what he's paying for attorneys, and my understanding is he had four of them on this case, this is going to be six-figure money for her. I'm not concerned. You should not be concerned if you feel sorry for Stormy Daniels, uh, because this case is going to go on another two or three years. There's going to be appeals and motions and rehearings and everything else. But that's where it stands now. Uh, I just wanted to give you the background, because something occurred uh, this morning or last night. I think it was this morning. Uh, the president spoke out on the decision in a tweet this morning, and you know what he called Stormy Daniels? He called her a horse face. Now, I don't know why uh, he's a misogynist, why he goes out and insults women all the time. Uh, he rarely insults a guy, but he insults women all the time, and I don't think that was nice. She took her shot legally. She lost, and he should have handled it as all most litigants handle it. You know, I, I represented people lost, and I told them, look, we had our shot. We didn't win. If this was something that required publicity and a comment to the paper, just tell them, I thought I had a case. I didn't. I wish my adversary well, and you walk away. That's it. Leave them smiling. Leave them happy. But no, he couldn't do that. He called her face." Now, I'm sure you've seen pictures of her since she's a porn star. She's an attractive woman. I wouldn't say her face is beautiful, but she's a very attractive woman. Uh, So she retaliated. You know, there's a a law of physics. Uh, Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. He calls her a name. She's got to call him a name back. I mean, that's just what it is. She wrote a book about her relationship. I think she had an affair with him for about a year with the president or whatever time she was with them. They did have a sexual relationship, apparently. And in this book that comes out, I think, in two or three weeks, uh, she refers to their sex life and their sex activities. And it's reported that she describes his penis, his genital, as tiny, T-I-N-Y. So... What did she do when she hit back? She said, he's tiny. (laughs) So now he's insulted because she has insulted the most important thing to most men. You know, she said he was tiny. So I don't know when this thing's going to stop, but it's absolutely stupid. He's the president of the United States. He doesn't have to mock her. He won his lawsuit. I won. That's the end of it. And walk away. Don't throw this crap out. You just aggravate people and you make yourself look like a horse's ass, Mr. President. And someday I hope You you realize what you're doing, because I've got to believe that someplace inside of you, there is a better you. Now, let's get into Michael, 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 this hurricane, one of the most horrendous hurricanes ever to hit the United States. We knew the hurricane was coming. The government knew the hurricane was coming. At least a week before, six, seven days, it's a five, it's going to be a four. Then it's going to be a five, and it's going to hit. It's going to hit as a four. It hit as a five. We had warning. The president was on national television a few days before. We know it's coming. We're prepared. We've got money. FEMA was on. We're ready. Everybody's ready. Where the hell is everybody? People are complaining in the panhandle here in Florida and in Georgia. Where is help? They are without food and water. It is a major crisis, food and water. Food, water, shelter, electric power. They don't have it yet, okay? They don't have it. Uh, let me tell you so you read This all comes into play here. They had the time. They knew it was coming. Their experience, they've had enough of. Enough, uh, Hurricane FEMA. My God, they had Katrina in New Orleans. They had to learn a lot from that. Sandy, two years ago, they had to learn a hell of a lot about from that one. And they had Herma here, which I thought was a big one till this thing hit up here in the Panhandle, Michael, and they had to learn from that one. They're not here yet. You'll see them on TV yesterday uh, in the in Panama City. They, they took some videos and showed them on TV, and here were a bunch of, in, in an empty lot, there were a bunch of tents put up, and food and water was being given out to people. And these FEMA people, several of them, were all over the place, and they seemed to be getting in front of the camera. And when they got in front of the camera, they were wearing these blue T-shirts, and on the back, in big, bold, white print, FEMA. But they weren't there for the food and water. The food and the water was brought in by volunteers, not by the government, not by FEMA. And these people who came in from all over the country set up these food tents. They prepared and served 1,500 meals. These were volunteers bringing in volunteer food, not government-paid-for food, not FEMA-helped food. 1,500 meals they cook for the locals in Panama City Sunday. And a local church in Panama City, in addition, set up 15 different sites within the city so they can distribute meals as they are are preparing them from food being brought in through volunteer services. So where the hell's FEMA? Well, here's what's happening. Federal, state, and local officials had a meeting over the weekend at the Emergency Operations Center. They set this Emergency Operations Center up in Lynnhaven. In Lynn Haven, Florida, it's about 20 miles uh, above the ocean. It's in the Panhandle, and they met at the Gulf Coast State College. And here's what, And the governor was there, and FEMA was there, everybody was there. And they said this, they said, There are still 60,000 people, unaccounted for, unaccounted for because of Michael. We have to find those, because a lot of people stayed, they didn't get their asses out. I don't know why people are stupid. You got a four or five coming, you got to be out of your mind not to get the hell out. I'll tell you right now, I experienced it last year. I understand, you go, you don't stay, you're not foolish. But 60,000 people stayed. Now they can't find the 60,000 people. They found about 1,000 of them. They can't find them. The houses are down to the ground. They're going block by block as best they can. They're going into the downed houses, pulling the wood apart, looking for people. They're going to anything they can go into looking for survivors. They're looking for 60,000 people. And so... Here's what they say. Here's what Governor Scott himself said. And I quote, everybody just needs to help each other right now. Everybody just needs to help each other right now. Save your food and water. Because it will be days before we're ready to do that. That last part came from a FEMA person. Save your food and water. Because it will be days before we're ready to do that. Again, because they're out looking for survivors. And I know this is all important. The point I'm making, this is their business, FEMA. They're professionals at saving people's asses and feeding them after a a natural disaster. They weren't ready again. They got too many people who didn't leave. Now they got to find them. How do they get the food in and do that, too? I don't know why they haven't called the military in. Somebody said they could call the military in, but they just haven't done it yet. They're also saying in the panhandle, this is all very amusing. You have to laugh at the stupidity of some of the comments coming out of governmental officials. There's a lot of wells, a lot of well water in the panhandle. So they said, well, there's well water. Uh, Intimating, no sweat. You can use your well water that you normally use, and so you got water at least. Well, it just so happens that most of the wells are operated by electricity, so the wells are totally useless to them in the panhandle because they don't have electric power. And in most places, that's anticipated will take at least two months before they get electric power back again. One woman commented, and she was very pissed off apparently, and listen to her quote. The American people are helping us. FEMA will come into the game and get accolades in six months. The American people are helping, meaning the volunteers. FEMA is going to come into this game and get the accolades, the congratulations in six months when they really don't deserve it, is what the woman's saying. is the volunteers who are doing it, the people, and not the government. <laughs> I want to stay with the hurricane. <clears throat> As of yesterday, there's no food, there's no FEMA. Uh, The survivors are furious. The survivors are furious. They have been left, as I've described, to fend for themselves with little uh, help from the government. Food and water are needed. Those are the two basics needed immediately. There's a woman by the name of Chantel Chantel Gooseby. Uh, she lives in the Panhandle. She was interviewed, and what she said was that she was able to get a telephone. How? I don't know, because cell phones don't work because the cells are the the poles the poles are down, the cells are down that are on those high extension things. So you need a landline all the time. And if you don't have a landline, I know this from Irma, you're screwed. There's no way you can communicate anyhow. And if you got a landline, you want to call into the area head. They have to have a landline. And we were, when I was in Birmingham, we got a landline, but we couldn't reach anybody in Key West because we, we, we knew no one who had a landline. Anyhow, she finally got a telephone. She got a call through to FEMA in Washington. Chantel says, we need help. You know what FEMA told her? Call the Red Cross. She called the Red Cross. You know what they told her? Call 211. She called, um, this is funny, this is serious, but it's funny. She called 211. It was a state of Florida help number for whatever your problem is. And she said, nobody could help me. She said, I told them, we were not getting help. We need food, water, anything. And they passed the buck too. I don't know to who because that was the end of the conversation. I want to stay in the Panhandle again. There's a fellow, a, a family by the name of Lipford, L-I-P-F-O-R-D. They have a 160-acre farm. It's been in the family since the Civil War. They're out in the country someplace. I don't know where. I've never been to the Panhandle, I'm ashamed to say. But in any event, they're cut off from civilization. Okay, Cut off from civilization. I got some video of some reporters got into them. And uh the father said, you know, this is like going back to the frontier days. Uh, the mo- wife said, we're washing clothes in a bucket. My husband went to the creek, and he took some small stones and made a little barricade so the water pools were bathing in the creek. Okay? They have a daughter, 23 years old. She's out there with a chainsaw cutting the trees apart that are covering most of the house. However, she has to return to the house every two hours to breastfeed, to breastfeed her six-week-old son. Thank God she's breastfeeding that kid, because if she wasn't, where is he going to get his formula, okay? So every two hours, she stops, and fortunately, she's able to breastfeed her children. The father said, and I quote, I want power and water, the rest we can deal with. That's frontier spirit, too. But that's what's going on. That's what's going on. We're not doing the job again. And I'm going to say something. And I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong on this projection. But, you know, I've been down here for a lot of hurricanes. I went through Irma. I evacuated. 80% of Key West evacuated. We were smart enough to know, get your ass out of here. Um, And I understand some things. I don't two things I want to share with you. Number one, the government ran out of money. The federal government, the state government, Governor Scott was fantastic before and for the first several weeks of the hurricane Then he died out too because everybody ran out of money. There was so much money to go around for these disasters. The government, the federal government's the key here. They don't have enough money set aside. In fact, last year, and I can't remember where, but he cut some money out of FEMA's budget to put into something that was going to help take care of the tax cuts that he gave the rich, okay? You can go back and research it. I never thought about it until so just now. I wrote about this several months ago. Anyhow, so that's a problem. there. My feeling is we're going to run out of money on this one. This is a big one, Michael. I mean, this is huge, uh, they're saying it's going to take more than two months to get power, water, and everything else. It, it's just a, an absolute disaster. Whole town's wiped out. Remember, these really aren't big cities. Most of these cities are small places, 8,000, 2, people, 20,000 people. The town's demolished. It's down to ground level. These are ordinary working people. These aren't the rich people, the elite. They don't live in the air, most of the area that was wiped out, okay? And— these people are going to have to do for themselves because the government won't be there. The government, we here in Florida, the state, and in Monroe County, which is the county for all the keys, the tax, the taxes this year. The government said we got to raise your taxes, the state and the county. Well, the state doesn't have a state tax. I'm sorry, the county had to raise our taxes. Why? They have to raise our taxes because the federal government said. To the state and to the county, we don't have enough money right now. You go borrow whatever you need, and we'll reimburse you. All right? Well, they went to the bank, and the banks, on the the you know the the federal government, in effect, promising they're going to reimburse the, the state and the county, uh, loan these entities money. Well, the county, we don't have state taxes in Florida, fortunately, but the the county borrowed a hell of a lot of money. There's billions, not millions, billions of dollars owed. In reimbursement monies authorized by the federal government for the state and the counties to spend that is still owed to the state and the counties, okay, so with the county, they were going to raise our taxes, then they cut services instead, then they had to raise a little bit, maybe terrible because the federal government ran out of money. What are they going to do with uh the results of Michael? I mean, they still haven't paid off urban it's over a year, okay. Another example of how this thing, running out of money, I'm the only one seems to be talking about money during this thing. The cure, the remedy for a hurricane, it doesn't happen right away. It takes time. It takes time to rebuild a a home. It takes time to fix the roads. It takes time to fix the power system, the power grid. It takes time to get the pipes back in place so you can flush your toilets. you got sewage. All this takes time. Now, here it is. We are eleven. We are. I'm sorry. Thirteen months since Irma occurred. Irma hit here on September 10th. This is October 16th. We're, we're what? We are eleven months in one week. Okay. Uh, past Irma, you would assume everybody's living in a house now and everything else. No. Today and tomorrow, sitting in front of the Key West City Hall is a bus. It says, Rebuild Florida Bus. Rebuild Florida Bus. It's a bus belonging to a state state agency. And it's the Florida Department of Economic Opportunities Rebuild Florida Mobile Registration Bus. Why is it here? Because people still don't have their homes built. They're living in tents. They're living in muck trailers. They're living in woods shithouses that they put back together from the damaged uh, wood that they had uh, from the houses that went down, trailers that still in, are in proper operation. And the state knows, everybody knows, we still have a lot of people who aren't living properly because the government ran out of money. And so now they're coming here. They're going to do bureaucracies here. They're going to take information, et cetera, and hopefully – as fast as possible to start getting some money in so these people can have a home again, a roof over their heads, and live normally. I want to get into politics a little bit here. Millennials, the young kids. The Democratic Party is relying heavily on the millennials in this election. They think they got the college kids all spirited up and they're going to come out and vote. Uh, and they're, they're out there getting them to register like crazy, uh, which I think is a good thing because I, th- I think it's another 8 or 12 years. The millennials, today's millennials, the 18, 22 years old, they're going to be the biggest voting block in this country in 10 years. Right? So you got to get them goosed up because kids don't vote. They don't care. Their minds aren't there yet, the 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds. A reporter for MSNBC on Sunday was in California at a college. He was talking to 40 or 50 college students sitting outside. And he said to them, these are 18-year-olds basically, who's going to vote? 40 or 50 kids sitting there. You know how many put up their hands? One person. When he questioned many of them, said, so why aren't you voting, why aren't you voting? And they said, I'm, I'm not paying any attention. I really don't care. Well, what do you care about? Because a lot of them said, I don't care. I care about school. But what do they care about school? They should be thinking about, you know, I've got to elect the right person because uh, the, the borrowing money from the, through the government from the banks is breaking the backs of everybody who goes to school today, et cetera, et cetera. They just don't care. They're not there yet mentally. And I am concerned— that if this is typical of the colleges and the Democrats are relying on these college students to give them that big bust to make them come out big time in this election in three weeks, they're going to be sadly disappointed. It just isn't going to be. Uh, Moving on here, that poor guy, Jamel Khashoggi, Khashoggi, uh, the Washington Post writer, the registered United States resident. He's legally here as a United States resident, though he's not a city, a citizen. He is a citizen of Saudi Arabia, but he's been anti-government for years, anti-whoever's running the country, and they're very anti the young kid, 30-some-odd years old, 32 or something years old, who's now running the country and put all his uncles in jail until they paid him a million dollars apiece to get out, Uh, And they don't like this guy. They don't like this Khashoggi. He wants to get married. Uh, Beautiful girl, younger than him. And he is, but he can't go back. He needs papers. He needed his divorce papers. He can't go back to uh, Saudi Arabia to get them. They'll kill him. (laughs) He knows knows this. They're waiting to kill him. So he went to, he, he called, made an appointment. He is in Turkey, in Istanbul. And he went to the Saudi Arabia consulate to pick up a copy of his divorce papers. These buildings where the consulates are videoed and everything else, they have constant video going are continuous. Pictures of them walking in, no pictures of them walking out. And as you've all heard by now, uh, a, it's reported. It hasn't been totally verified, but slipping out a, a day at a time. By the end of this week, we'll know everything, I think, perfectly. Uh, The story is that 15 Saudi Arabia people came in on two different planes that morning, were driven to the consulate in Istanbul, the Saudi Arabian consulate. They went in. When he showed up, uh, they tortured him for two hours, and then they killed him. And after they killed him, they dismembered his body. They cut his body into pieces. And they put the pieces in the empty suitcases they brought in and then left. There's pictures of them leaving with the suitcases and got on the plane and went back to Saudi Arabia. Well, you can't do this. I mean, this is disgusting, period. I don't even have to tell you it's disgusting. It's sick. Trump's not that pissed off. I don't think he's pissed off at all. Because Saudi Arabia is our friend. remember how they treated him. when he went there after he was first elected, you would think you would have thought that the Pope was coming or the Lord himself was coming, the way they treated Trump. Remember they gave him this big gold piece of jewelry heavy around his neck. Uh, he danced with them, he waved the sword in the air with them. And when he was being driven through town, there were crowds all over the streets, and huge pictures of Donald Trump were being flashed on the side of buildings. Big deal. They knew how to appeal to his ego. Well, he says, "What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do?" It's a question of money. We have 125 million or 110 billion, rather, or 110 billion dollars' worth of contracts uh, for work, uh, for military equipment. And if I do something about this or get involved. They're not going to do this business with us. Then Boeing, Raytheon, all these companies are going to lose. They're going to lose jobs. Well, the first thing he doesn't tell us, and I'm sure he's aware of it, none of these are actual legal contracts. Some of these go back to Obama's time. What happens is Saudi Arabia signs a letter of intent. There's no legal binding to the letter of intent unless it's turned into a contract contract signed with by both parties and they say they're going to buy this stuff rarely do they do it's probably about 25 billion that'll be spent in the end here. uh but he doesn't want us to lose that money and that's more important than whatever they did now we, we've lost character here we've, at, we've we, we are acknowledging that someone did something cruel but it's cruelty without consequences this is wrong There's a total indifference to the rights of this man who was killed. And in any event, we have indifference on the part of Trump, it seems, to everyone when human rights uh, comes into play. Let me give you some examples quickly. There is a war going on in Yemen. Saudi Arabia's in there. They're killing the hell out of Yemen, Saudi Arabia. Massive, massive hunger and disease. Uh, The U.N. has said that Saudi Arabia is guilty of all kinds of war crimes. Now, what are we doing? We're not doing, we shouldn't be doing anything in Yemen. That's number one. But what are we doing so no one can really complain? I'm complaining tonight. We have military there for the sole and exclusive purpose, okay, <laughs> of refueling Saudi Arabia airplanes. In other words, we send these tankers up with a lot of oil. They plug in, we plug in to their, their ship. We let the oil flow into their planes. That's all we do so we can keep them in the air. But we shouldn't even be doing that. Uh, Mir, Mirna Amar, Jesus, it's an ethnic cleaning. There's a group called the Rohingya, R-O-H-I-N-G-Y-A. Their villages are being burned. The Saudi Arabians are involved in, Arabians are involved in this thing. Ba- and This is the worst. Babies and small kids are being thrown into open fires and burning huts. Saudi Arabia is supporting the group that's trying to do the ethnic cleansing here. What are we doing about it? That's where we should be doing something, nothing. And then he's in love now uh, with Kim from North Korea, uh, their buddies, and he believes what Kim tells him, who's done nothing for us so far. He also believes the Saudi Arabian prince now becoming king when he says, we didn't kill this guy, we didn't know anything about it. Somebody else must have done it. it must have been a rogue killing. Uh He he believes Putin, whatever Putin tells him. Uh, I don't understand this man. There is bad stuff happening all over the world. We are one way or another involved, and he doesn't get upset, and he never wants to do anything. He doesn't even want to chastise them. All we have to do is threaten these people for real. We still are the strongest country in the world when it comes to military equipment. Uh, But he doesn't do it. That's his way. Uh, Now, Yesterday, the consulate, Saudi Arabian consulate, said, all right, we're, we're going to let you come in and see. Uh, but they said he was killed in the consulate. We will let you people come in and investigate. As soon as they gave permission to Turkey to do that, there were pictures of a cleaning crew showed up out of their truck with boxes of chemicals, mops, trash bags, bleach, milk. I don't know what the milk's for. They got to the embassy and did their cleanup before the probe started by, uh, by Turkey. Now, what police department in the world anywhere lets this happen? Let the, the, the bad guys clean up the, the crime spot before they go in and do their job. That's the show for this week. I didn't get as far as I wanted to. I got to Saudi Arabia, though. Uh, <clears throat> my next step was going to be the ghosts. Uh, The Hemingway Ghosts here in Key West, but we'll save that for next week. I thank you for joining me. I enjoy doing the show. I'm glad you're with me. My numbers keep going up. I I keep getting reports. My advertisers love this. I love this. Buy my book, Irma and Me, I think it's fourteen ninety five dollars 95 on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. It'll give you a firsthand feeling for the experience I went through when Irma came here. It's the same thing that's happening to these people with Michael in the panhandle, though it's much larger and worse there. Thank you again for joining me. I look forward to being with you next week.